Hello my lovelies, welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Marikin, and this is now going to be the jumping off point for my next franchise deep dive. I hope you'll join me over the next five episodes, ten weeks, as myself and different guests discuss and explore the amazing, highly underrated franchise that is the Final Destination franchise. Each week will be a different film discussed in depth with different guests and follow along on my Twitter and my Instagram and let me know what you think as the episodes are released. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy recording these fantastic episodes. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Marrigan, and we have done it. We have made it to the end of the deep dive into the Final Destination franchise. I hope you have enjoyed listening to us discuss the thrills of each of these films. So today I'm going to be discussing Final Destination 5 which is actually 10 years old now, a decade-old film. And I am going to be joined by Robert, who is the host of the Creepy and Geeky podcast. And yeah, we're going to talk all things Final Destination 5. So before we jump into the film, just a little bit introduction about yourself, kind of your own connection to horror, why you kind of love the genre that we love so much and your own podcast and what you like to do on there. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm glad to be here. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm Robert. I, I do the, uh, the creepy and geeky podcast, like you said. Um, how, how am I related to horror? I guess. Um, I just, I've always been a fan, uh, you know, growing up, you know, of course being, a, I, I was an eighties kid. So I grew up mm-hmm. with, you know, a lot of the, you know, the, the, one of the golden ages of horror. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, it, I, I've, it's, it hasn't been until the last few years that I've taken a, a huge deep dive into horror, but, mm-hmm. uh, I've loved horror all my life. Uh, you know, I, I tended to see a lot of the big stuff, um, especially the final destination series, which was, you know, very mainstream, very, um, out there and i know i've seen most uh if not all of them in the theater um mm-hmm. but for sure uh uh that this definitely this last one i had i had seen uh in the theater and uh i, I just i love the series as a whole um uh, and uh i i couldn't wait to uh talk to you about number five i jumped on i jumped on that as soon as i saw that you were uh, uh doing doing a series on it. I was like, Oh, I gotta do, I gotta do one of them at least. And, uh, oh, and no, I, yes. I was glad I was, I was actually really happy. I got to do number five because number five is, is, is very significant, uh, which we get into, uh, to the, the series as a whole. So once, uh, once I found out I could do that one, I was, I was very excited and happy. And I actually watched the whole series through again, just so I could, you know, lead up to that one and, you know, refresh myself on the whole, the whole timeline. Brilliant. Well, I I appreciate the dedication. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you. Um, and yes, uh, five is indeed one of the ones that's very significant to the overall storyline of the films in such a like beautiful, like kind of chef's kiss way. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, 
which is actually quite apt because in Final Destination 5, our main character is a trainee <laughs> chef. So, you know, there there we go. We're writing it itself. <laughs> Brilliant. But um, and also, yes, you were like the first, one of the first people to actually jump in and say, I want to talk about this specific film, which made it so much easier rather than people going, oh, I'll talk about any of them. It's like, come on, can you give me one. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. And yes, we're going to jump in and talk about the film. Um, and yeah, so this final, actually, I'll, I always like to ask the guests on these ones to do it. So quick summary about Final Destination 5, because as we all know, a Final Destination film starts off with a premonition about a certain type of disaster and then the characters trying to survive the rest of the film so what it does final destination five start off as and the overall kind of just general and um, plot line for the film yeah so this one final destination five starts off with a group of people going on a bus ride to a work retreat they're part of a, a like an office and so they're going to some kind of weird work retreat we i don't remember if we get too much uh in on it but you know, it's the typical office work retreat. Mm-hmm. It's not nothing fun. Everybody does not seem excited. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this isn't the so, all expenses paid flight to Hawaii. This is something else. No, <laughs> the literal like you know worst you know bus you could get probably, and uh, they're having to watch a watch a, a a dumb video along the way about the retreat that they're going to, and uh, yeah, and then there is a bridge accident. Uh, the bridge. Uh, which is being worked on uh, starts to collapse. And Mm -hmm. in true final destination form, the uh, deaths are crazy and brutal and uh, exactly what you want in a, in a, in a horror movie. 100% and it's something that I've been saying throughout the recordings of this uh, deep dive is that the final destination franchise is 100% a slasher franchise and oh 100% yes and death is our serial killer our murderer and even more terrifying because you cannot see death death just happens which I just think it is terrifying (laughs) you know this isn't Michael Myers who you can see there's no corporeal villain (laughs) right you can't see him you can't escape him (laughs) Death oh, yeah, is exactly. <laughs> Ex- existential crisis begin. Yes. <laughs> but yes, but I want to know what you uh, think about, like, particularly, I and I think it's really the bridge, like, sequence during the premonition that is probably the most glaring example compared to the rest of the film. But for me, like, rewatching Final Destination 5, which I've done actually twice in the last month, the first time while I was recovering from COVID, I was like, I need a comfort watch, so I'm going to watch <laughs> yeah. the entire franchise and then prep for this recording. Um, but rewatching Final Destination 5, it kind of just, for me, it really stood out that this was a film that came out in the kind of mid 2000s specifically 2011 10 years or actually 11 years ago now jesus my math was off <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh it is very heavy on the cgi with the deaths yeah. on the bridge like when you rewatch like final destination one and two in particular and i think three for a, a little bit a good bit as well a little bit, you can yeah. tell that there is a mix of 
practical and CGI for some of right. the deaths. Whereas I think, at least anyway, with the premonition scene in Final Destination 5, it's just pure CGI. And yeah. for me, it feels a little bit dated. I want to know what your kind of experience was on the rewatch. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing was, is because I did rewatch all of them, that mm-hmm. I noticed with 4 and 5, uh, that 4 and 5 uh, were both uh, done in 3D. Uh, they were both released in 3D. And so I think that has a heavy uh, uh. hand in why they went so much with the cgi uh especially if four was even worse i think um, that was the one labeled as the final destination yes 3d wasn't exactly. it or at least in yeah. some regions anyway and um, right so yeah that i think that, that probably came around out the same time as saw 3d which was yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. no all the 3d was happening around that time everybody's like falling and but, but i'll give it this much that four and five with the 3d embrace the 3d in the way that i enjoy um the the 3d that just brings you into an immersive version of things where everything just looks three-dimensional but Mm. things aren't flying at your face (laughs) i get that that's boring to me like i will not pay for a 3d movie of that kind i want if i'm going in for three the 3d gimmick I want stuff flying at my face. I want, <laughs> uh, like, I want that experience. That's the whole thing about 3D. Like, why would you go and just like, oh, I'm going to sit in the environment. Ooh, this is so pretty, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't want to be on the planet in Avatar. I want, no, you know, I, I want exactly. glass shards in my face, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I want stuff flying at my eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> I want to feel like I'm in the movie. Um, not just sitting in there, like, passively observing. I want to be ducking things. Um, but yeah, it's, a. Uh, but yeah, the CG, I think, I think the CGI was, it was better in number five than it was in number four. Um, yes. Number def- four was so heavy handed that the, the, and I don't want to get into number four too much because you're talking to somebody else about that, but, um, but it was so heavy and weird that mm. when they went to number five, I think they did pull it back a little bit where yes, a lot of the the especially the bridge scene was very cg heavy but to me it didn't feel as glaring as like i said as number four did and as glaring as like it never took me out of the moment uh i still enjoyed it um but it for sure you you can definitely tell cg's gotten a lot better since then as well um you know you you watch stuff and people complain about it all the time in the marvel movies and everything but i feel like the cg environments are a lot better and you don't notice it nearly as much as you used to it used to be very glaring and yes the 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 bridge scene is very glaring in certain moments because you see like you know there's almost no background a lot exactly. of the times exactly you kind of just um, see bodies yeah. <laughs> coming apart in different ways with yeah, and the sky is just gray and yeah there's nothing there so you know they very heavily like paid for all the cg into the bridge and the deaths yeah. and everything <laughs> exactly <But. laughs> so it was like we've got a specific budget we're going to show a bridge <laughs> collapsing and we're going to show <laughs> mutilated bodies background okay. like you know sky the weather that's less important exactly. <laughs> and so you they're can like, definitely we're... tell where the budget was <laughs> <laughs> right they're like we're a final destination movie we're not a marvel movie we know this <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. Um, they they at least know what they are, which I think is exactly. a good thing. Um, but yes, um, so I think when we when you talk about any Final Destination film, I think the best you know way to jump in is really to kind of be, you know, what's the is there a specific Final Destination death from this film that kind of stands out to you? Is because I think everyone whether they have a favorite film in the franchise when whenever they're watching a specific film there's always like one death that they're mm-hmm. waiting to see on screen again because every oh, time yeah. it just gives them that type of specific joy that only horror fans can experience of just right. like yes i'm gonna see this terrible death again so which is the one is there one from this film that does that for you Oh, absolutely. This one actually has my favorite of the entire series. Uh, oh, and that's high praise. The, <laughs> yes. And that is the uh, gymnastics scene with uh, Candace. Oh, it's so yes. brutal. Oh, oh yeah. It's just, it's the most brutal because it's like, it, it comes, it honestly feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like the brutality of it comes out of nowhere. Like the other ones... Like, especially earlier in the series, like the the Rube Goldberg-esque-ness of them, like mm. some of it is so complex to get to the death that... Yeah, and there is <laughs> showing that, there is all, that, the, yeah, everything, all the little like, steps that's The little things happen. that have to happen, death going, do oh, that, oh, oh, gonna do this but it's now. Not a, yeah, they do that in this one too, but it's not, I don't know, like they put the pieces together, but they're not, they don't seem as elaborate as earlier uh definitely in, installments especially the first two and definitely. then and i think because that goes back to what you were saying about the practical effects too is that in the first two uh they're very heavily practical effects where mm-hmm. so they have to kind of um use that to get to that point which is great you know it's it's but but yeah, the 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 the, the Candace gymnastics scene is definitely my favorite of this one and the favorite of the series, just because of the the weird out of the blue brutality. She just falls and like folds in half backwards. Oh, one hundred percent. And I think one of the things that because again doing that rewatch, like one of the things I love about that specific death, like, and it's interesting like when you kind of compare to some of the deaths like the way they build up to it in the earlier films like I don't know like for me with this one the why it stands out so much is I thought they did a really good job of like building the tension Mm -hmm. in the sense that they had that screw on the gymnastic beam and oh like you were just expecting like the entire time you're expecting either her hand or her foot to go into it and you're just zeroed in on it and like it makes it so tense and then it doesn't happen and it's actually a different gymnast that stands on the screw and causes every you know the fan blows the hand chalk yes thank you (laughs) into candace who just (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. is just folded in half. Oh, yeah, so I thought brutal. It just built tension really well. Whereas in yeah. the earlier films, even though they have built up to the deaths, it was more like I don't know, like watching kind of like dominoes. It didn't right. have the tension. It was like, oh, this leads to this, this leads to this, this leads to this, death. Whereas this was, yeah. oh no, no, we're gonna make you like grip <laughs> your seat because this <laughs> yeah, is gonna be exactly. fucking tense. Yeah. Well, and then plus two, like you could see, like for the most part, you could, I don't know if you could see in the early ones where the deaths were going to come from, but you could kind of predict 
um, mm-hmm. to an extent, but this one definitely threw you a curveball because of the screw. They were like messing with you. They were screwing you. Um, and so, <laughs> so they, they were, you know, they, they put that screw there to really like think, Oh, okay. She's going to stand on that. Like, and that's, what's going to cause something. She's going to you know, die, fall into something, whatever. And, you know, and like you said, it, that tension while you're sitting there waiting for that to happen. And then that doesn't happen, but something even worse happens. And it's just like, oh. what? And like, how? Oh. Exactly. And then like, I just think I love like, for some reason as well, final destination five more so than any of the other ones. I think there was definitely a lot more kind of like dark humor in it compared to oh, some of yeah. the other films. Like, I just love like, you know, just when you literally just see Candace like folded over like a pretzel, you just see the two, yeah. like you don't see their faces, but the kind of like off camera characters, you just hear one of them going, Candace, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, <laughs> I don't think she's going to A, respond, but also, can you not see her folded like a pretzel? I don't think she's okay. Like, you know, it's just, I just she's think you can't help not her okay. <laughs> 100%. And one of the other scenes that every time I rewatch this, I just like love this scene. And again, it leans into that dark humor, but I think it's also very realistic commentary on, I guess, you know, corporate structure and capitalism but when they're having the memorial after you know they've survived the bridge and everything i just love when like the boss dennis who i think is played brilliantly by david cookner is just a fantastic comedic actor but i think he's just like listing off all the names and he goes and who will you know we all remember isaac (laughs) and then isaac is just in the audience and just did did he just say my name? And then the, <laughs> the woman, Olivia, just starts laughing and he's like, it's not funny. And she's just like, oh, sorry, I got nervous at funerals. And then the other character, um, Nathan, leans over and just goes, I see dead people. Like, I, <laughs> just every time it just gets me. But yeah. yeah, I just think it leans into the dark humor more so than any of the other films do. And I want to know. Did that stand out to you on watching this film, like that scene or any other kind of scenes where they kind of lean into that type of humor? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. The other ones, the. They all seem to get they all had elements of humor, of course, but they all seem to lean a little bit heavier into the the drama, more Mm -hmm. of the intensity of like figuring out the plan and uh and 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 trying to trying to figure out how to avoid getting killed like okay so you know if such and such dies then you're next blah 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 and whereas you know they still did that in this one of course and 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 they figured out a a, a wrinkle to the plan it doesn't work but they figured out a wrinkle to the plan and uh but yeah the humor the humor elevated it definitely and it was more playful and it was a nice little uh you know because by number four you know number four we're all kind of just like all right this it's starting to kind of lose its legs especially because mm-hmm. number four was wasn't really that great it was i still like it but it's it's definitely the least among them all and yeah, for sure but with number five it comes back and the you know the humor uh brings you know you you've got david keckner in it like you said the guy who plays isaac is known for being very comedic 
Yeah. And um, I can't remember his name off I think off hand, uh, PJ Byrne is that actor's name. And yes. And yes. also, not only is he uh, slightly comedic, he's also incredibly creepy in this film. Oh, yeah. He's, he's very much played up as the, oh, every every kind of like horror film is going to have to have like, you know, that bit of the, the creep, you know, the pervert. <laughs> this is this right. guy, <laughs> you yeah. know, and uh, which kind of makes you go, you know what? When he dies, I'm not really going to have any sympathy for him. Right. <laughs> because yeah, there, like, there's always one person in each movie who you're just like, I can't wait for that person to die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think that's what I love about the slasher genre itself, but particularly the Final yeah. Destination films, because like they up the way people die. Like It's not typical slasher deaths. So you're always right. like, oh, how's that person I hate going to die? <laughs> it's always exciting. But I think something you were touching on there is probably the perfect kind of point to actually bring this in now because I think it adds extra nuance to the discussion of this film. But you were talking about how in the earlier films it was kind of so kind of like bogged down in the, you know, seeing the plan, figuring out out how to escape death, blah, blah, blah. And this film... And, you know, now, if you haven't watched Final Destination 5, dear listener, pause the episode now, watch the film and come back because I'm going to spoil the ending for you. (laughs) The ending of Final Destination 5 basically sets it up that it's happening before the first film. Yes. In the sense that our our characters who have survived, Sam and Molly, the, you know, star-crossed lovers type kind of roles, they're like, you know, on the flight to Paris. And then you see, basically, you realize it's Flight 180 the and yep. the beginning of that film. And it is just brilliant. And I love how it just kind of ties the franchise together in this nice, perfect bow. And it's just right. a, such a clever ending. But I th- and I think that's what gives when you're rewatching this film, it makes it even more enjoyable because you realize that none of that is present in this film. There's no they know what's happening, that their death has a plan, all this stuff. They don't really kind of have much of it. Yes, it's hinted at and it's hinted at because we do have the brilliant return of Bloodworth. Yes. Tony Todd. Oh, yes. that's just that man oh <laughs> I and just... i've got some i got some stuff to talk about him too about the character as well so oh yes please i'm yeah. i'll be excited to hear it and yes. and yes but just they they he hints at it but we don't yes. have the same level of detail about knowing the plan escaping death as the other films and right. you don't really kind of pick up on it on the first watch it's only when on the rewatch when you know that this is like basically a prequel to the franchise that you notice that oh they don't have any of that there's none of the signs to see how the deaths are coming there's none of this stuff right. it's just all the deaths happen and i think that gave it this extra level of freshness and something that bloodworth says which makes me excited for the future possibility of more final destination films in different Mm -hmm. time eras because basically when bloodworth first kind of meet or no not not the first time the second time after the death of the pervert in the massage parlor and they 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 see bloodworth on the street and he kind of basically says i've seen this before that people have cheated death and death has come after them but this is all happening before the rest of the other Final Destination films, yes. which means that who knows, there could be more in this world. 
But now I want to hear what your thoughts are on the character of Bloodborne. <laughs> so, uh, going back to what you said about it being a prequel and everything, the interesting thing was was when I first watched this. I watched this in the theater, and when while I'm watching it, mm. I was taken by the fact because the movie came out in 2011. We're yeah. we're already post we're already post smartphone because uh, smartphones really came out around yes. 2008 2009 everybody's using flip phones everybody's using you know very old oh, phones and mm-hmm. i started noticing i was like wait a minute why does this feel so off <laughs> i was like and so the entire time and i didn't put i didn't put it all together i just knew something was off the entire mm-hmm. time and so when we get to the end and it is the before uh final destination one i was just like oh my god this is brilliant this is so perfect this is like excellent you know and so it 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 just blows your mind. And it's so funny too, because this one should have been called the final destination yes. <laughs> to lead into the, the rest of the series again, instead of number four being called that. But anyway, I digress. And uh... <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think maybe, yeah, it's weird. Like maybe they didn't think they were going to be able to make another one or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, this one really should have been called the final destination because it yeah. leads in perfectly and it would have made a, <laughs> great cycle but uh, hey been, that's just us people so that like patterns <laughs> <You know? laughs> unfortunately we didn't get it this time <laughs> exactly as for bloodworth i uh i uh i his presence in this was actually more so than any of the other movies even even number one um i did think it was funny too because upon rewatching this i noticed um i guess i i may have noticed that first time i watched it but this time for sure i noticed that uh in number three he was the voice of the demon at the uh yes. at, the, at the ride um which i did not i don't remember catching that before so i was like oh okay they pulled him in at least to do some voice work so that was very cool uh but this was the one where you see him more than you've seen him in any of the other movies and you know i get that he was at each of the locations because he's the coroner and and all that mm-hmm. but it did really feel to me like they were trying to push it like he is death and right like he he's an embodiment of death in, in a way one he knows things two you know he's there at every scene you know three you know he's freaking tony todd um <laughs> exactly you know it's candy man so like you know yeah. there's definitely something going on there um, so i do yeah. i do kind of feel like they were angling towards that they never come out and say it but mm-hmm. i really feel like that's what they were implying more so in this movie than they were before um they still try to play it off like oh no he's just the corn <laughs> but i do i do i do like it so any future final destination that they come up with i would love to see tony todd come back in some way and, oh, definitely. Know, and again. I think for anyone I've like talked to in the, during this um, franchise deep dive, it is always the films that have Tony Todd in it are the ones that stand out for them. As in, like yes. they're the ones that like ha- like because he just brings this presence, and he is a massive man. Which yes. like I never for some reason, and I've said it already, but even like watching Candyman and stuff like that, I never realized how much like space he takes up, how kind of commanding his presence is until you're kind of watching it in Final Destination 1, where you see how he has to like stoop so low to kind of get out from that door (laughs) into the main area of the morgue. Um, And I was just like, fuck, he's big. He's Um, huge, yeah. Yeah, so I just, 
I think it's when he's in a Final Destination film, it just adds something extra to it. So yes, I'm just like, if they make more Final Destination films, please bring Tony Todd back. But now I'm just like, the only problem is, is that, well, they could do future ones that I guess take place after Final Destination 4. Like, you know, they could, you know, the thing is death, you know, doesn't die. Death is inescapable. It can take place in any time period. But if you were sticking within the in-universe timeline, what Tony Todd essentially is kind of saying is that it looks like stuff happened before this film, which would push it back into, say, the 80s, which, hey, I'd love to see an 80s assassination film or 70s. That would be like it would be really interesting to see it happen in those time periods as well. Right. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. But I think you'd have to like kind of do what they did with the new Candyman and CGI Tony Todd to make him look <laughs> much younger. And I don't know right. if we wanted to see that. <laughs> no, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe keep it to modern day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll work around it. Tony Todd, right. is like, he, he, he'll come back. He wants to do the work. Exactly. <laughs> and, but yes, but no, also with um, Final Destination 5, because I think it's one of the interesting um, plot points that, you don't see it in any of the other Final Destination films. It's kind of hinted at in three a little bit, but it's really kind of hit home in this one. But one of the characters, which is basically Peter, who is the boyfriend of, or boyfriend kind of, I guess, squeeze of Candace, the gymnast, and played right. by Miles Fisher, which anytime I'm looking at him, I'm just like, you are a <laughs> knockoff. Dave Franco like I kind of just I'm just <laughs> like watching it I'm just like we wanted Dave Franco he wasn't available so yeah. we got Miles Fisher and I just couldn't not see it but that's um, funny yeah he reminded me of somebody and I couldn't I couldn't quite place it but yeah now that you're saying that yeah he's like a knockoff Dave Franco <laughs> exactly and like the only reason I made that connection is because last night I watched the new uh Netflix oh, vampire, yeah, and yes. I had great fun with it. Oh, I very, love that very one. Fun. Yeah, it was really yes. good. But I saw Dave Franco last night, rewatching yeah. it again this morning. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> so yes, um, but him, <laughs> I digress. Um, <laughs> he is grieving for Candace. He kind of when, and this was one of the other interesting things as well, which I like. I think is important to talk about. But when Sam is talking about his vision. He says in his vision, Molly didn't die. She wasn't one of the ones that died. She actually survived, which then I'm just like, why did you get on the plane to Paris, Molly? (laughs) He didn't do that. (laughs) Um, But like um, Peter, the character is grieving for Candace. He's really angry with, um, with Sam for not saving anyone else in the vision and then he kind of takes it upon himself to think that he has to kill molly to kind of basically save himself and defeat death and i think this is the first kind of final destination film that really had someone else actually basically taking the role of death and trying to kill someone right so i want to know what you thought about that because it's something that you haven't really seen in any of the other final destination films yeah no i thought that was an interesting uh a, a new tactic on it was to you know to to prevent your own death you have to cause somebody else's death mm-hmm. uh and uh you know a life for life in a way like you have to sacrifice somebody else for your own your own good 
Uh, I, I did think that was interesting. I love that it actually didn't matter um, <laughs> that death was like, nope, I wanted you and you alone. You're the one who escaped me. I don't want this other person you're trying to kill. I want you. and I will have you. And yep. uh, that's what's great. And that's what's great about the whole series as a whole, too, is that nobody gets out. Everybody ends up dead. Like, yeah, if yeah. you were meant to die, you were meant to die. And death is coming for you. And that's it you know you have no chance exactly and yeah it's like even if you survive the film you're starring in you'll be killed off either off screen before the next film like our poor poor alex played by devon sawa killed by a brick before final destination 2 a brick yeah (laughs) right and then or you'll survive till the next film but still be killed, like clear yeah. in Final Destination 2. Death is going to get you. There is no escaping. Um, which I just think it's something that like I've said when I was discussing the first in the first episode when I was talking to Kat. But the Final Destination films, like, even though they are brilliant, fun, kind of popcorn horror, like, you know, they're kind of they are kind of almost like you know, you can kind of switch your brain off and enjoy these films. It's just a fun ride, which I love about them. But at the same time, it's also kind of like forcing you to kind of reconcile with the existential crisis of the fact that, hey, death is coming to get us. You know, it's going to happen. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. You know, I kind of think that that's something that's really clever about these films. And I want to know what you think about that. Like, do you think it is actually kind of do is more than just kind of mainstream entertainment horror like do you think there is more to it and to use the cursed term could it potentially fall under elevated horror (laughs) (laughs) i think yeah i definitely think i think that they are i think that's definitely where the angle is coming from there's there's definitely i don't know if the writers and creators necessarily considered that when they created it Mm. it feels like they did um, but it's it's definitely has that existential um, like thought of that no matter what you do, you're not getting out alive. Uh, yes, you know none of us are. We it it all ends in death, uh, and it's make of your time what you can. Um, but you know, <laughs> I just think it's funny yeah. too because. It's it's just it's so funny, too, because these people, yes, they would have ended in brutal deaths. You know, obviously, in these visions, they're very, very brutal. Uh, But the but because they cheated death, it's even more brutal. (laughs) Exactly. it's, It's so like it's like he's like, well, yeah, I missed you the one time. So now I'm really gonna get you. And no matter what you do, you are not going to escape. It's like a cat with a mouse almost like, you know, in that whole type of like, I'm going to draw it out for you. I'm going to torture you. Like at least yeah. in the visions, like, you know, whether it's you know the first one, the plane crash and technically yeah, you know, they're the generally pretty fast. One, yeah, they're pretty fast. Like, you know, whichever one it is, like those people are dead pretty quickly. I think in Final Destiny 5, the only one that looks like actually like awful is um, 
the, it was uh, Dennis, the boss, gets yeah, like David the Kegel. burn, yeah. yeah, the burning oil oh, on his head yeah. before he falls to his death drowning. It was like, yeah. Jesus. Christ. So yeah, maybe that's probably the, one of the only ones from a vision that <laughs> yeah. kind of goes. Actually, yeah, no, that that was brutal. That was brutal, yeah. and that wasn't quick. <laughs> and, no, but yeah, death likes to take death's time with people yeah. that cheated death and yeah i just love that about these films that how creative they get just like it's in, in a way and i it's something i've touched on before i definitely think the final destination films are like almost like a sister or sibling franchise to the saw films in that mm. it's about how creative the deaths are gonna be oh yeah Whereas, absolutely like you know in saw it's more about traps and stuff like that in final destination it's literally just how are these people going to die and it's something that you just come to them for you want to see these creative deaths and yeah i just think final lesson five has a good number of them and i and i yeah and i agree with that like i had never thought about it but that yeah definitely final destination is a good companion series to um the saw series the saw series is you know everybody writes it off as torture porn but it's dealing with um Big a lot themes. more than that it's de- definitely dealing with themes of you have a choice like he's putting you in these traps to give you a choice you've done something wrong and he's like admit what you've done wrong you're still going to get hurt but admit mm-hmm. what you did wrong and maybe it won't be as bad and that's very similar to with death like what the final destination is doing is like you cheated death yes but you're going to regret that because you your time had already come your time was up you cheated your time it's coming for you and it's dealing with like we said this this existential threat of death that you know no matter what you do it is coming for you you can't get away with that and you know with the saw series and and that's what i love about horror in general too and and that's what going back to what you said about the final destination series being you know quote unquote elevated horror i think that in general a lot of horror not all horror because a lot of horror is just you know horror for horror's sake uh but for sure there's definitely a lot also that has a lot of meaning a lot of depth uh whether whether it's something that the filmmakers were trying to say or what we as viewers put into that later uh we because we put in a lot into the slasher genre that was not there uh you know the meanings of you know sexuality and 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 stuff like that that wasn't necessarily inherently that the filmmakers weren't putting into that but that because it was made in the 80s and made during that repressive time period that we brought to that as viewers and we were like okay, this is saying something about sexuality and, you know, and, and, and being, being sinful and everything. And that's why slashers are coming to get you because you're sinful. And so I like that. That's what horror brings to. Um, totally. Um, in a lot of ways is because then we, we it's, it's so much more high-minded to that. And that, you know, when people talk about elevated horror, because I love stuff like hereditary and midsummer and everything, you know, quote unquote, the actual elevated horror that people talk about. Um, I, I love that stuff, but you know, you we can see it in all these other horror horror movies as well. Exactly, one hundred percent, and that's something that I'm always kind of like trying to like say <laughs> is that like horror as a genre is the one genre that I think is the best uh, vehicle to talk about society and to talk about people because it is a genre that is turning the mirror back on the viewer. It's forcing you to reconcile with 
what society is, the wrongs and rules right. of society, whether that's through like a physical corporeal killer like Michael Myers or Jason or something more supernatural like ghosts, whatever it is, a horror film is forcing you to reconcile with something to do with society and humanity. Right. And I think it's the best genre for that. And it doesn't have to be uh Ari Aster film or something no. like, you know, the Babadook or It Follows. It doesn't have to be something like that. It could it can just be a typical run of the mill slasher that's still saying something in a different way you know like horror doesn't have to be look one way to say something important about society or humans and i think you can have fun while making those 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 messages yeah exactly no no i was just gonna say like final destination is kind of saying something but as you said having fun with it and i i think final destination kind of similar to the saw films i think both of them in a good number of years are going to be looked on looked back on as franchises that were doing more than people realized they were like yeah. and i think they both deserve to be held up a bit higher than they are oh yeah absolutely i think saw already is starting to get yes, that recognition it's getting there for sure um there's a lot of more um there's a lot more people uh, uh con- going back and considering it a lot more i think that yeah final destination right now hasn't been really taken that big of a look at um, in terms of its themes and everything. Most people just, you know, write it off as, Oh, you know, crazy wacky death machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, which is fun. I mean, which is fun. It is that, but it is a little that. bit more going on. Yeah. And, and yeah, but like, again, it's going back to crazy death machines in um, final destination <laughs> five, one of the, even though I think it is, again, it's obviously having to lean a little bit into CGI, but the death of um, Olivia, the one getting oh, yeah. the laser eye <laughs> surgery, <laughs> oh, yeah. that one is tense as well. I think this villain yeah. that does a really good job of actually playing with tension for the deaths. Yeah. Like yeah. more so than I think the others, because I think, and again, this is, you know, the nuance of Final Destination 5 because it's actually taking place before the others, before you as a viewer have been given, you know, the usual plot line of death has a plan. You have to see the signs to try and save the person. None of that happens right. in this film, which means they can actually play with the tension. Like in the other ones, I think a lot of the deaths don't have that tension because it's more about is the main character going to get there before they die? That's where they come from. Whereas with these ones, none of that is happening. So it's just literally <laughs> this person's going to die and we don't really know how. So we're going right. to work with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because nobody's trying, like, you know, even Sam, who had the premonition and everything, he just, he doesn't know. That's what, yeah. that's what, and it's what bugged me about number four was that the, the, the character who was having the premonitions kept having premonitions. It was mm-hmm. like, and it was a weird departure from the, what had happened before. Like, only the, the, they only had like, well, I think number three did that a little bit too. Didn't it they? was, but... it was two that did it in two. Okay. They kind of did that in that, like it wasn't really premonitions. It was more kind of flashes. Like, okay. so two, the character had that. Oh, right, then, right, right, right. Yes. And then three, which is what I loved about three was they kind of played with it differently in that the character. Oh, it was the pictures. Was, yeah. Yes, and that one, which yeah. I thought that was a clever yeah. device, but yeah, that I liked with five clever. how they didn't have any of that. So it was very yeah. much just, well, and then that's where, yeah. And then that's where they come in with the, okay, well, if we kill somebody, we can take a life for life, blah, blah, blah. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like, you know, they came up with a different angle, which was nice. Um, and number four, like, don't get me wrong. Number four also came up with something that was different by the fact that the guy the guy was having the 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 pre- multiple premonitions about things, the, these disjointed premonitions mm-hmm. uh, that made no sense to him until he got there after the fact. And uh, which was which was good. But um, but it this one was great because <laughs> You know, you had the premonition and he was just confused the whole time. He was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> he I don't he know was what a very happened. useless protagonist, which yeah. I think was very enjoyable. Like, you know, yeah. it was kind of just like, you know what? This is very realistic as to if someone right. was to have a premonition, they're, you know, not going to know what to do. They're, they're not going to remember, be... <laughs> like, especially somebody like me. Like, I have poor memory as it is. <laughs> like, if I had a premonition, I'd be like, what happened? I don't even remember what happened. Who died? <laughs> What, how did they I have die? to remember the know. specific order they died in? Yeah, oh, like you guys are screwed, man. <laughs> oh, but yes, and actually speaking of and um, screwed, I think that's almost an apt word. But one of the deaths that I thought again, I was very happy to see him die. But our creepy sexual pervert yes. guy um, in the massage parlor, and I was also oh. an extra reason I was happy to see him die because again, I kind of think. When films kind of throw quips like these in or jokes about it, I just, a lot of times it almost takes me out of it and makes me kind of go, whoever wrote that, I want to punch. But it was basically this character gets into the parlor, looks up at the statue of Buddha and kind of makes a joke about, oh, you got to cook, you know, cut back on the pot, you know, makes a joke about him being fat and overeating, makes, you know, makes a quip on that. And I'm just like, it's so, I'm, I'm just, you know, Fat phobia in horror is such yeah. a present problem and it's it feels like it's, you know, the one like kind of social faux pas that's still allowed. As in like right. if you watch a film and you see, you know, derogatory comments made about queer people, you feel wrong because you know it's wrong. If you see right. derogatory comments made about, you know, racial minorities, again, you're like, that's not acceptable. Whereas it seems right. In general, comments made, you know, passing comments made about fat people, fat jokes, it's still considered okay. And I just think horror as a genre, particularly in the past, less so now, is known for not having good fat representation. Yeah, when I I saw him make that quip, I was just like, oh, great. Now, not only is he a sex pest, he's also like a bit of a fat phobic idiot. So I was like, now I'm going to be happy to see him die. So yeah. I loved that the way he actually well, died. And the Buddha kills Buddha. him too. So yes. it was awesome. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, this is maybe the joke was actually, you know, you're getting yeah. actually, you're just deserved for being a fat. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought that was well-deserved, but oh, also the acupuncture going into his body. Ooh, oh that yeah. Was not good. But no. I want to know what you thought about that overall like his whole kind of like death sequence and i guess that that character which when he was in the office like robbing from all the different desks but there's that one bit where he just kind of looks at like the framed picture of like i guess one of his dead colleagues and he's just like rubbing what i'm assuming are the breasts and kind of going you were a dirty bitch i'm just like who is this man (laughs) no he's i I, like yeah you you love him because you hate him like cuz yeah. he plays this character so well he's so he's such a gross person like on every conceivable level he's just a horrible horrible human being and what's great is too though like because like the guy himself like i'm i'm not going to disparage the guy but 
he's very he's very a nerdy kind of guy. He's not yeah. like a ladies man type of guy. So that's what made it even more realistic in a way because we know people like this. Oh, one hundred people who are super overconfident and super gross and sleazy and everything are the people who are just gross in general anyway. Yeah. And you're just like, how how are you this overconfident about yourself when you're like that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. And you know, it's it's like I said, he's not like some built jacked guy or some nice handsome dude and everything. He's not ugly, don't get me wrong. Like I like the actor. I think he's great. But and he plays the character so well. But it's just such a despicable, loathsome character that you have no, like, you have no problem just hating him. Yeah, and no problem hating him, to, him to, die. to die. Like, yes. everybody else, you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, I don't want to see these people die, you know. But, you know, but you do because you know it's a Final Destination movie. You want to see what way they're going to die. And, uh, but him, you're just like, okay, I really want to see him die. Uh, and and the, <laughs> the massage parlor scene is like... It's hilarious, too, because, I mean, again, this goes back into the humor aspect of it, mm-hmm. because it's played up so well with, you know, it, it, you know, the she brings in the old lady to do it. The old lady speaking Cantonese, but obviously knows English. Yeah. And, you know, and, and is like sticking them with the needles. It's like every bit of this is great because it's it leads up so well. And, and this is, like you said, the tension in this in this um in this movie particularly if for every death scene is ratcheted up um mm-hmm. you know we've got got this scene we've got the the uh you mentioned the olivia's scene we mentioned candace's scene um we you know we haven't really talked about dennis's actual death which is like caused by the other guy um uh the 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 uh one of the other more despicable people in that one which is the i can't remember his name roy or something um uh but he's the worker that's oh yeah disparaging uh yeah, black kinda, character whose name yes, I the, also can't remember the um, arsehole character that is yes. like the worker you know there's just like in the factory oh yeah that's like yeah. constantly shitting on nathan who's the new yes uh, like i guess foreman or something like that i guess that's the yeah. role he has but yeah um oh yeah there's just that factory death sequence is also brilliantly oh, man, done it's, it's it's so good and it you know and and because because we got you know we get that guy's death which then leads to dennis's death and so mm-hmm. it's like it's like that was one of those ones where the rube goldberg is but again the, these the way that these were done in this one wasn't so much elaborate as yes. as much as they were um they were more again tension filled because it was like it sure they laid out the pieces and here and, and here and there because we knew the wrench was going to play a role in it but you think the wrench is going to do something to somebody else and it and, and it and it does mm-hmm. something it's every time you it they're 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 messing with your expectations in this movie so much and that was what was great about this one because instead of just setting up all the domino pieces in the line that it was, it kept twisting them. And I, that was another reason what made this movie so good uh, on top of the, the, like a nice cherry on top of the series. So 100%. And I think it's like, 
it's something that's just so clever about this particular film in the franchise because I think obviously going into it they know that they're setting it up to be essentially the prequel to their other stories so they know that that's happening so they they go into it and like you said they're twisting they're playing with expectations because we've had four final destination films so the viewer knows the formula by now you know they kind of know so I love how they subvert it so much they're really playing with what you know and I think that that's just done particularly and part of me is wondering like maybe it's like because I when I was looking into the prep for this the director of Final Destination 5 is a Stephen Quayle and when you look at his kind of like you know film credits he was an assistant director on Avatar under James Cameron and James Cameron is the director who is known for building tension so I'm wondering if maybe working on the same set as someone like Cameron picked up a few things and maybe was able to bring it into making Final Destination 5 who knows that could just be me speculating but I think (laughs) yeah this film is just I think really played out so well and there's so many great deaths but also one of the characters that I adore in this film and I think every Final Destination has some version of this character there's always some kind of you know police officer or FBI detective or something like that that is kind of the disbeliever that ends up believing in a way but I love that they have like the fantastic Courtney B. Vance as like the detective in this and (laughs) I just again the humor but I just love how you know it's the interviewing them after they survive the bridge and he's just talking to Sam and he goes you know you said verbatim you know I knew it would happen and all this type of stuff that sounds premeditated to me and I am just I just love that because I was just like wait is he being deliberately sarcastic or does he genuinely think that one person could be responsible for this entire bridge collapsing? Right. I don't know, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, and it harkens back to the, the original first movie too, where the, the, the FBI agents were like, you know, did you have mm-hmm. something to do with this? Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's like, how, how could this kid, like, how could this kid, have something to do with this this tragic accident that happened like i get why they would think that sort of but again it's like you have to chalk it up to like just randomness you know and it's just like i get it you're trying to you're trying to create meaning there you know we all do it you know that's we all try to create some kind of meaning to something that is tragic and weird but sometimes there's just no no meaning behind it exactly which i think is something that you see the agent and his character like when he's kind of i guess he starts to kind of come around to thinking that there might be something more going on is after candace's death when he goes to like the i think it's like the coroner or the scene you know the scene um, analysis person who kind of just goes so what do you think and he goes I couldn't tell you. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> there is no way to re- recreate exactly what happened. So this is just some weird shit. <laughs> and it was kind of yeah. like, <laughs> then the water drops on his head and he looks up. So I was just, yeah, you see, that's the moment that kind of starts making him go, hmm, maybe the kid was right about <laughs> something. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, and, and I think coming up like to the 
hour mark now is a kind of a good point to kind of like start winding us down talking about this film and yeah like as you said yeah. we haven't actually touched on every death but i think we've touched on the ones that the stood out ones, to us yeah. the most the yeah. major ones and i guess talking about any slasher film if you were to go and analyze every specific death you'd be talking for a long time <laughs> um, yeah. and we like to keep things nice to uh for a listener <laughs> um, but <laughs> but yeah no i think yeah just this film really it like you said earlier it does kind of tie up the franchise in a nice bow and it just it makes the rest of the films it gives extra nuance to it in a way i think right. as well because yeah, exactly. you know that it's all cyclical like yeah. and i think that's something because like obviously you know as we know the running theme is you can't escape death you know death right. will come and get you I really like and now to kind of, you know, go into what uh, my podcast name is, Fishnets and Philosophy, to kind of lean into the (laughs) philosophy aspect. It feels very like Nietzschean to me in the sense that, you know, you know, Nietzsche had the entire idea of like, you know, the eternal you know, recurrence, that everything is cyclical, everything is due to repeat itself. And I think this franchise, these five films are just a perfect cycle of that. Oh, yeah. They just all feed into each other. Like, as in, you can watch the franchise on a loop. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, a TikTok video that is just going to continue <laughs> playing. You get to the end of it, it's going to start again. Like, you know, that's yep. what these films are doing. You get to the end of five, you can start your rewatch again with one because it's just Absolutely. a cycle. But yes, amazing. But thank you for coming on to talk yeah. all things Final Destination 5. Thank you for and, having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. And for helping to wrap up my deep dive into this franchise. <laughs> so before I let you go, where can people find your podcast, find you and support your kind of like horror adjacent work? Yeah. Uh, well, you can find my podcast, which is Creepy and Geeky at uh, creepyandgeeky.com. Uh, that's where... Uh, all my links are uh, mm-hmm. for that. Uh, you can find Creepy and Geeky on Twitter and Instagram, also at Creepy and Geeky. Uh, nice and simple. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Geek Thulu. Uh, that's G E E K T H U L H U. Remember that second H? A lot of people don't. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Geek.Thulu amazing well thank you so much and i will also include all those links in the show notes for the listeners too and yeah thank you so much for coming on and to my listeners thanks for tuning in and listening to this analysis of the final franchise final destination franchise what are words and i've had a brilliant time discussing all these films and keep your ears peeled for what my next franchise deep dive will be 